ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. It is the 8 o'clock hour. Jay Walker is in studio. Good morning. How are you? Lovely. We got terrible tune Tuesday today. Yes, we I'm do. Just telling folks they're gonna they're gonna be talking about it. It's a it's a good morning. I got to stay up and watch uh, Walker Bueller hurl a three hit shutout complete game. Well, there you go. First complete game in Major League Baseball this year. Also the most pitches that a pitcher has thrown in a game this year. I think it was 117. What time did that end? Uh, well, it was in Arizona, so it didn't start at 9. It started at 8. It was over about 1130, I guess. Let me tell you something, man. These these, <laughs> these late Pelicans games are taking a toll on me. I'm sure that's the truth. <laughs> because when they end, I, there's no way I can just go to sleep. Right. But they're starting like around when I would... Go to sleep, or at least, I, mean, I go to sleep around like 10 normally, um, 10.30. And then like some of these, like tonight, it says it's going to start at 9. It'll start at like 9.20. And then if it's an intense game, which all of the games have, have been, been intense, yes. Last game, the last quarter wasn't intense, but it was just, it was fun. I mean, I was just jacked up. And so I'm just sitting there. I'm like, how am I supposed to go to sleep right now? I think I got like four hours of sleep. You know, it, it's crazy because, you know, if you look back at game three, they're this close to being up three games to one against the best team on the planet. I mean that. Look, I haven't. I don't watch the. I don't watch the NBA. I, I just don't. I. But at the same time, you know, I I have friends that do. You can like appreciate you, what they're and, doing, and I and I could absolutely appreciate what they're doing, especially after the start they had this year. I mean, this is an amazing story. That's what I've been trying to tell folks. I mean. It was, they were playing, I was. I remember telling you about Herb Jones, I don't know, back in February. You're like, I don't care. What's their I, record? I, I, Where I is Zion? I'm I like, don't care. Jay, I'm telling you, he's a second round pick and he's one of the best defensive players on the planet. That just, that's not normal. And then it's Jose Alvarado guy. I'm like, that's not normal. You don't have a, an undrafted rookie in the NBA, much, you know, make a team, much less play these big minutes. And I think it's good for them that finally their story is told. Because from a national standpoint, the focus is just, oh, Zion. Well, is he going to play? Is he not? Is he right. mad? And it's like, y'all are missing out on this team that has stuck together. And now, yes, I get it. Devin Booker in there. But tell you what, man. It's, it, you see, it is hard to win when you're missing an all-star player in it. They've been missing one all season. So it's been fun. And, uh, you know, they'll go to Phoenix tonight and they'll they'll give it all they got. But. It's it's been keeping me up late too. And there are people that are bothered by it. I think just because there's contrarians, and you know, at first it was all the playing stupid. Then it was oh well, they're going to get swept anyway. Now I get emails of oh I, the refs are fixing it. I'm like oh really? Oh yeah, the NBA yeah, is uh-huh. fixing games for the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah, like right, right. <laughs> well, a lot a lot changes in two weeks, guys. Yes, it does. Just uh, accept the fact that they started out bad and they stuck together and. They got good chemistry, and they like playing with each other. 
And it's fun, man. The, the intensity level picks up so much. Um, but Walker Bueller th- threw a three-hit shutout last there night. There you go. I'm glad you brought up baseball because we getting a lot more RPI questions lately. Uh-huh. A lot of stuff in the inbox. Cajuns went to Georgia State. They got the sweep. Mm-hmm. Their RPI is up to 44. Right. Georgia Southern's is three. Right. Now, the Cajuns' RPI is high, and part of it is they've got, at this moment in time, the number four strength of schedule in the country. Well, the, they had the number four uh, non-conference, non-conference schedule. Excuse me, non-conference. Overall, overall, they're at 20 right now, um, and and that's pretty awesome. That's good. Little Rock, UTA, how does that impact the RPI coming up? Um, it, it, it's going to hurt it. Uh, even even with the sweep, it's still going to yeah, take you know, it Yeah, because, okay, first of all, if you sweep, you only get credit for 1.8 wins because you only get six-tenths of a win if you win at home. Um, so, no, it will negatively impact it. But, but here's, here's the thing. We talk about RPI way too much, way too much, because we th- here's what the average fan thinks. Oh, our RPI is blank, therefore we're in or we're not in. Um, and that's, that's not the case. The RPI is an important tool. It's not the definitive number. It's part of a formula. It's, it, well, it's part, it's part of what the committee looks at. Mm-hmm. And, and the RPI is very important, but they're going to look at other things. How strong is your conference and where did you finish in that conference? Uh, they're going to look at how did you do against the top 100 um, and the top 50. They're, those things are going to play a factor also. And those things are going to work in the Cajun's favor. Or, or can work in the Cajuns' favor. Okay. Let me give you, let me give you a scenario. The, the Sun Belt will be a multi-bid league this year. Okay? They're going to get more than one. The question is, is it going to be two? Is it going to be three? Is it going to be four? You think that's a possibility, four? No. Okay. I mean, I... I so I, is it going to be one, two, or maybe three? Well, you know, it's going to be one, two, maybe three, and... Yeah, maybe four. Okay, that would be the way I would describe I mean, the it. The Pelicans were one and twelve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, let's suppose the Cajuns. Um, you got nine games against App State, Little Rock, and um, UTA. Let's suppose you win seven. Okay, seven of nine. And then you win one out of the three on the road against Texas State. All right, that means that you're eight and four. Well, that gives you 20 conference wins. In the best non-Power 5 baseball conference in America. That's going to count for something. Now, let's suppose you do a little bit better than that, Okay. Now you or you win twenty one or maybe you win twenty two. Committee's going to have a hard time explaining why you're not in with that many conference wins and that powerful a conference. So 
the RPI is important. But if the RPI kind of stays where it is, I, uh, that's not going to mean they're, that they're not going to be selected. <clears throat> because the other things that I took, that and, and how you did Q1 and Q2, which is the top 100, and the Cajuns have a winning record against the top 100, those things are going to work in your favor. The Sun Belt adding the schools they're about to add, what does that do for baseball? Well, not just Southern Miss, because everyone talks right, about Southern right, Miss. Right, right, right. Old Dominion? Southern Miss and Old Dominion make you a lot better. <clears throat> Marshall is like Little Rock or like QTA is this year, okay? They're not good. James Madison is is a club that's uh, there. I'm not sure exactly what they're going to bring to the table because I think Conference USA and the Sun Belt are, are comparable leagues. You know, James Madison plays in the Colonial, and, and I don't follow that league, so, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Uh, and I think that there have been some years they've been good and some years they hadn't been good. Um, so I, I, I really don't know about that. What it's going to depend on now, because you're not going to play all of them every year, okay? What it's going to depend on is what's your draw the following year. Now, I can say with relative certainty that while they may not view the standings east and west, I don't know if they're going to or not. Mm Mm-hmm. I can say with relative certainty that the teams that are in the quote West unquote are the teams you're going to play every year. You're going to play Texas state. You're going to play Arkansas state. You're going to play ULM. Um, You're going to play Southern miss. You're going to play Troy and you're going to play South Alabama. Then it, then it depends on who you draw from the other side, right? Because there's, because you're going to play three of those and there's seven of them over there. You're not going to play, um, Old Dominion, Coastal Carolina, and Georgia Southern every year. Uh, so we'll see how all of that shakes out. But I do think it will make it'll make the Sun Belt overall stronger because you're going to add two really good programs in um, in Old Dominion and Southern Miss, and you're only adding one that's on the level of the teams that you're losing: Little Rock and UTA. You realize, you realize, you know, the way the tournament format works, 10 teams get right, in, right. okay? Seven plays 10, eight mm-hmm. plays nine, single elimination, the survivors move into the double elimination bracket. If it ended today, you know who's playing on Tuesday? South Alabama. Wow. But it doesn't end today. No, it, it doesn't. doesn't end today. It doesn't. It's basically like the NBA's play-in now is kind of like what right. it is. It, right. It, but if you look at the league, all right, with the two Georgia schools, the Cajuns, South Alabama, Troy, Texas State, Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. those seven teams, one of them has to yeah. play on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. So, so, so well, no, it's why it's why going into last weekend, it was like you're sitting there, one through seven is separated by three games. Four, five, and six all have the same amount of losses. Seven is only a half game back as they had a tie. You go to Georgia State, you have a bad weekend, you're behind the eight ball. You have a great weekend, you're 
you can move all the way up past them, and now the Cajuns with the sweep of the Panthers move to third. Getting that Friday night win the way they did, putting the pressure on them, and then it just it got better each day. And then by Sunday, I mean just slaughtering the ball. But it um, sweeping them, a team that only lost two games all season at home, that was one of the more impressive things the Cajuns have done this year. You know, I, I agree with that. Georgia State now has lost six straight conference games because they were swept by Georgia Southern as well. Georgia Southern and the Cajuns, the the formula was the same. Make them earn it. Don't give them anything. Mm-hmm. You know, Georgia State, with the, with the firepower that they have, they can make a living on feasting on your mistakes, whether it's a critical error or too many bases on balls or whatever. Cajuns didn't give them anything, and neither did Georgia Southern. And that's how you beat Georgia State. You make them earn what they get because their pitching staff's okay, but their pitching staff's not great. You're going to score some runs. Well, all you have to do is score one more than them, you know, five to four on uh, in the game on Friday. But that's how you beat it. You know, Georgia State beat Coastal Carolina three games in a row, and I think that, that series was in Conway. Well, they got 13 unearned runs in that series. Cajuns talk about the the generosity not giving it up. I think only four walks all weekend. They did not. We, we've said it all year. When they don't give up the free stuff, when the pitchers don't give free bases, the Cajuns have enough talent offensively to beat any team in the country. Let me Let me illustrate what the good pitching does. When the Cajuns get double-digit hits, they're 12-0. There you go. When the Cajuns score six runs or more, they're 17-0. So if you go out and pitch, there's a real good chance you're going to win. Um, and the Cajuns now have become the second-best defensive team in the league behind Georgia Southern. Um, so it... It all boils down to the free stuff because the Cajun pitching staff is good enough to where when they don't give you stuff, they can go out and dominate you. Their stuff's good enough. Uh, and, you know, you got the weekend rotation figured out. It took a while, but you got that figured out. And it all boils down to the generosity or lack thereof of the bullpen because the starters are going to throw strikes. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's what this whole thing is boiling down to now. Right. Now, you know, you only use two relievers all weekend. And that was on, in the game on Friday. And then you got a complete game Saturday and a complete game unheard of in college baseball. Unheard of. Um, now, it would have been a complete game if it didn't end in seven innings. Oh, his pitch count wasn't very high. Yeah. and And he was dominant. So, yeah, he was going to get the baseball. If you don't – I feel like for Jeff Wilson, if you don't get to him early, then he is settled in and he can go along. It's really – for me, it's always those first two innings with him. When I'm listening to you and Brad on a Sunday, I'm like, how is Jeff doing in these first two innings? Because if he gets to the third and and he's pitching well or or the other team doesn't have, you know, more than a run, maybe two, I'm like – Settle in because he is. That's true of the other two guys as well. Yeah, you know, I think I think Tally especially. Um, 
you know, Schultze uh, sometimes gets off to a good start, but uh, but but Tally, it's the first couple innings, and then he settles in. Same thing with Wilson. Um, and there are, there are other pitchers in the league that are kind of like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to get them, get them early. Um, but, they, you know, look, this was a weekend where every facet of the game came together. Okay, your starting pitching was dominant. Um, you got charged with two two errors on the weekend, and one of them wasn't an error. should have been a base hit. And um, you got double-digit hits each game. Uh, guess what? You do that, you're going to win. Bang. I, I don't care who you're playing. If you do that, you're going to win. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. TTD coming up in just a few minutes. I had a call yesterday um, when we were deep into one topic. Call completely shifted into another. But he was asking about a number of things, including UL softball and the, the one loss they had on the rigorous road trip to App. And, oh, I hope it doesn't hurt the RPI. I said, listen, the Cajuns are going to be a two or a three in a regional, and there's really no difference between a two or a three other than the number. It's like eight or nine in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, who, who like, wears the home jerseys? That's that's really all it is. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think they're past thirty two right now. But the point is, Cajun softball fans, you follow the RPI super intently in the years where you got a number of those big nine conference wins, and you're trying to hold on to be a host maybe a top eight seed, that's when it is literally day to day to day. That ship kind of sailed. I'm not trying to say it's not important. I'm telling you, you don't need to stress about it this year. You know where the team is headed in the postseason. What you want now is just consistency. You want them to play well heading into the postseason. But to get, oh, my God, they they lost one on this really, really rough road trip. Shout yeah, out to them. They lost one nap State. Well, okay, it wasn't a, a, a great loss, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to change where they're heading right now in terms of the postseason. Well, that's absolutely true. And, you know, I, I say it, I say it, I say it, I say it, I say it. We have a tendency to look at spring sports with a football mentality. And if that happens, you're going to get ulcers. You are. Because, I every, but, okay. because every time you lose, it's going to be Armageddon. You're, you're, you're not wrong. I also understand why some UL softball fans are that way because it's almost like they've been trained that way because the mindset is always we want to host yes. a regional yes. or or a super yeah and therefore and when you have the head coach and, and I love Jerry but he's always open about it like I have to follow the RPI all year and then based on where we are I kind of have to make decisions on it because it's the reality of the conference we play in and where we are and so it's almost like now, baseball, it's a different story. But for softball, I, I kind of get it. But for some fans, and I'm not talking about all of them, because a lot of them are very well, knowledgeable. For some of them, it's like, look, there's some years when you get to this point in the season, it's it's already done. Like, you don't need to follow it, like like you said, to give you ulcers. It's finished. Yeah, and, you know, there's there's no stressing over whether the Cajuns are going to be in a region. Right. Okay, that's going to happen. There's also no stressing as to whether they're going to host. They're not. Because they're not. So you're right that I I do think you kind of get, in softball, you kind of get um, to the point where you have to follow it because it really, really means something. And, um, but it doesn't change my statement, okay? There are, when it comes to spring sports, fans of both baseball and softball 
Look at that sport with a football mentality. And every time they lose, it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You know, the coach is doing a horrible job. We just lost to fill in the blank. Alabama, who's one of the best football teams in the country. Well, no. I mean, they, they'll, you know, we just, for softball, we just lost a game to Georgia State. We just lost a game to Georgia Southern. You know, we just lost to App State, for crying out loud. Same thing with baseball. You know, we lost that game to ULM. And and they're ready to jump off a ledge. It was a bad loss. It was it was very disappointing. But 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 that's the way this game works. Right. Okay. You're going to have losses during the season that are head scratchers. Tennessee, who is an absolute juggernaut. Some I still don't know how they lost to Tennessee, Texas. Oh, exactly. I have no idea how. Now exactly. that's an extreme example. My I'm just illustrating your point of in baseball, in college baseball, that's that's going to happen. But. Holy cow, Tennessee. I mean, we talked about it last time. Well, and you talk about how your RPI can can really get a boost, okay? Who would have thought Mm -hmm. that losing 33-3 to to Tennessee in the opening weekend of the season would help Georgia Southern have the number three RPI in the country? We didn't. I remember the first week. I mean, shame on me. I I, I shouldn't lump you in, but I do remember us saying, like, it's not that they lost to Tennessee, but we expected big things out of Georgia Southern. I just can't believe how they lost. Of course, we didn't know that Tennessee was going to be, you know, the the UNLV national title team back in 90 of, of college baseball this year because that's what they're doing to teams. And, and when you, you know, 50% of your RPI is your opponent's record. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there, you're Georgia Southern, <laughs> and you've got Tennessee. Now, I don't. I'm, I may be off by one or two with what I say, but the beginning of your formula starts with um, 112 and 12. Volunteers. A 33-3 to series sweep is really beneficial to Georgia Southern. Who knew? Well, it, that's exactly right, because who knew Tennessee was going to be that good? You know, I don't... Last time I checked, Tennessee was not picked to win the SEC. So I would say, I would say they're going to win it. I'd say it's pretty safe to say they're going to win it. Yeah, I think I think it is. Yeah, they're going to win it this year. They're having an unprecedented year it's in the crazy. Southeastern Conference. Never happened like this. Well, before. let's see what happens when you get to the postseason because it's baseball, right, Jay? It's baseball. All right. And, you know, if Tennessee doesn't win the national right, championship, right. their their fans are going to come unglued. But that's baseball. You don't want to be a team like the 2000-2001 Mariners or the 98 Minnesota Vikings. You don't want to be those teams. No, you don't. And and I, has Tennessee ever won a title in baseball? No. That's why I brought up those two. Because there's been other teams that were great and didn't win at all, but it's usually from programs or teams that have won a title before. But when you're one that's never won the big one, that's when it hurts most. When you're like, you look back for the rest of your life and say, how did we not win with if, that? If Tennessee has won a title, it was before all their fans were born. Okay. It's been a while. Yeah, I'll just Google it. Has. All right. Hang, give me a second. Man, here. Google, see, folks, Google is your friend. Have Tennessee volunteer as we listen to a little lead in for TT. Liquor and 
Tennessee Volunteers Baseball. They have never won. A, they they were the runner-up College World Series runner-up before you were born, Jay. Yep, 1951. That is before I was born. Barely. See, yeah, hey, what you didn't you, <laughs> see? You didn't think I I would I would flip it this week? Not make a joke about your age, but talk about hey back. Back Jay before was I even, was born. Uh-huh. born. They've been to uh, five College World Series, but they've never won at all. They better do it this year. As you said, their fans are going to flip out. Don't go anywhere. Coming up next, a classic. Terrible. Tune. Tuesday. On ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. My friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. You're hurting me. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Scott show. It's terrible. Tune Tuesday. All right. Well, I'll get things started today, Jay. Right. No, we are not uh, inducting a, a Hall of Fame. No. Nope. We have new songs. Although mine's going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point in time. Probably in another Hall of Fame, but I'll, I'll start. Um, I'm, I'm not going back far. I'm going back... Three years and a week. Three years and a week ago, this song came out. And if you'd never heard it, consider yourself fortunate. Hmm. Because this song was under the guise of claiming it was it was made for charity. Um it it did it it did well. It sold a lot of records. It reached number seventeen in the US. Uh, on the Billboard Hot 100, but it was a number one hit in Belgium, and it was a hit in countries all. It charted all over the world. <sighs> Certified platinum in the U.S. When you're talking about a song that features, I'm not even going to name them all, but you ready? Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Hazley, Zach Brown, Brendan Urie, Haley Steinfeld, Wiz Khalifa, Snoop Dogg, Kevin Hart, Adam Levine, Sean Mendez, Charlie Puth, Sia, Miley Cyrus, Lil Jon, Rita Ora, Miguel, Katy Perry, Lil Yachty, Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran, uh, Megan Schrainer, John Legend, Bad Bunny, Backstreet Boys, and some jabroni named Lil Dicky. It's a lot of. Big names. How are you going to get all them in there? Oh, well, you're going for charity. Sure. You see, this song is attempting to find some humor, but it falls flat. Uh, Jeremy D. Larson of Pitchfork, a musical critic, 
said it was a terrible song that sounds less like a charity single and more like a theme to a down-market Disney clone made explicitly to launder money for an offshore criminal enterprise. Um, writer Keith Mann criticized the song, saying it is astonishingly bad and generic, soulless, laughless, and overblown. And I had to do the clean version of this song because the, quote, charity song had a bunch of curse words. Which you'll probably be able to figure out where exactly they were supposed to be. So, from 2019, on Terrible Tune Tuesday, this is Earth by Lil Dicky. What up, world? It's your boy. Just one of the guys down here. Well, I could be more specific. Uh, I'm a human. And I uh, just wanted to, you know, for the sake of all of us earthlings out there, just wanted to say... A man. Hello. Can you hear me? Anyone out there? Hello. 
I've trudged the earth for so damn long and still don't know, don't know. I hope it's not a simulation. Give each other names like Ahmed and Pedro. And yeah, we like to wear clothes. Girls still look beautiful and it covers up our human. Eat a lot of tuna fish. But these days it's like we don't know how to act. All these shootings, pollution, we under attack on ourselves. Like, let's all just chill. Respect what we built. Like, look at the internet. It's cracking as hell. Fellas, don't you let it when you have sex. And now her women are better than a So what we got is land for. What we got to stand for. Love. And we Come on, everybody. I know we're not all the same, but we're living on the same earth. Have you ever been to Earth? Everyone who's listening has been to Earth, Ariana. We're not making music for aliens here. Are we gonna die? You know what, Bieber? We might die. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, there's so many people out there who don't think global warming's a real thing. You know, we gotta save this planet. We're being stupid. Unless we get up together now. Jeez. I th- I thought, do they know it's Christmas and we are the world? We're bad. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is amazing as how as to how bad that is. It's just raise awareness about the environment and pollution and climate change and 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 you know what? It, it's not that I'm against all that stuff. This is just bad. Uh, David Andrew Bird, who is that is the birth name of one Lil Dicky, claims that uh, a portion of the song's proceeds were going to be donated to a variety of environmental charities. Mm-hmm. Okay, that one might be a future Hall of Famer, right there. Oh, there's no question. <clears throat> All right, TTT continues. Okay. I don't know whether to play this and then talk about it or talk about it and then play it. I have made no bones about the fact that I hate this song. I have made no bones about why I hate this song. I did a little research, though, and I found out how all this crap started. There, there was a woman who was in charge of the music at Fenway Park in Boston. Mm-hmm. This was about 25 years ago. And she had a friend who gave birth to a child. And they named the child Caroline. Common name. And so she played Sweet Caroline to honor her friend. Okay. Well, then she played it again when things were going well for the Red Sox. And it morphed into 
they would play it going into the bottom of the eighth inning if the Red Sox were winning. Well, in 2002, new owner took over and said, no, we need to go ahead and play it every time. Which, of course, led some people to say, okay, you're going to play a song that's supposed to be a happy song that people sing along to when you just blew a 10-run lead. But they continue to do it. Carolina Panthers play it after a win. University of Pittsburgh, instead of bop, 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 they go, let's go pit. I miss my friend T.D. Smith. T.D. passed away last month. T.D. did a lot of wonderful things for UL with his voice, football, men's basketball, baseball. It was also his idea to start playing this damn song at the Teague because T.D. was a Red Sox fan. T.D., I forgive you. But you know who I don't forgive? The people who continue to play it that think it's a good idea. This has nothing to do with the Cajuns. It's a Red Sox song. So unless you're one of the great Red Sox fans ever, there's no reason for you to like this. And on top of that, sleazeball Neil Diamond, who I actually really liked at one time. Really? Yes. We'll tell you the story, or well, he won't anymore, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But um, he saw a photograph of Caroline Kennedy, daughter of JFK, on a horse when she was like nine years old. He looked at that, he said, there's a song here somewhere. By the time she was 12 is when it was released. Warm, touching warm? She's nine, Neil. Nine. Now, in a 2014 interview, he said, actually, I wrote it for my wife, Marsha, but I needed three syllables, so I changed it to Caroline. Too late, Neil, you already told us the inspiration for the song, which makes you just a little bit creepy. No, it makes you a lot creepy. It is my quest by 2023 to not hear this song going into the bottom of the eighth inning at Russo Park. It has no business being part of the Cajun repertoire. Let the Red Sox have this piece of crap. Thank you very much. Destined for the TTT Hall of Fame. This is Neil Diamond and Sweet Caroline on Terrible Tune Tuesday. I can't begin to knowing But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along And 
touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you If, if you want, look, if you want a song in the eighth inning to to get the crowd involved, I mean, first of all, you've already got them involved because you did center field. So you really don't need well, something you, for the eighth inning. To okay? your point, you already do have a, a thing. You, you already you do, do have a song. Right? You, and, and, it's, and it's who you are and it's unique because I don't know anybody else in the country that plays center field as the seventh inning stretch. So you already have your thing. And you already have something that the crowd really gets into. And so then, you know, an inning later, you're going to do something else. I, I, I just, I don't think it fits. Now, if you have to have something in the eighth inning, there are other songs that people would sing along to. That weren't sleazy songs for nine-year-olds. We Caroline. And 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 something that is like a ripoff of what somebody else does because that's a Red Sox thing. You know, play "Living by a Prayer" by Von Jovi, and we'll all sit in the stands and go, "Whoa, living on a prayer," and we'll have a great time doing it. I don't know. I mean, I I I, I would say you could play Kangaroo. How about that? Maybe Earth by Little Dicky. <laughs> maybe, <you know? laughs> maybe so. 
<laughs> or or you could play, you know, if, if you want to do a little hip-hop thing, play crisscross. Jump, jump. I, you know, get rid of that. It is my quest to have it off of the playlist by opening day 2023. Might be, might be doomed to fail, Jay. I don't know if it's going anywhere. I mean, it's, a tr- it's a tradition at this point. A stolen tradition. It's somebody else's <laughs> tradition. Got, got a number of people that said it's a great song. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to read all the emails. They're like, Jay's crazy. All right, play it more. Okay, good. I didn't know the backstory to that song. It does put it in a different context. She no was, argument for me there. She was nine. Warm, touching warm. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, we'll take a quick time out. When we come back, on a serious note, which is hard for me to. I'm going to yeah, turn you got, down the you music. Got, you got Agadu playing. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, seriously speaking. On a serious note, uh, yesterday did mark the anniversary of something that. I want to point out an honor when we come back after this. All right, back to the fun. On The Great Scott Show, I'm Scott. That's Jay. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. That is Jay Walker. And uh, wrapping up the show today, Jay, yesterday was uh, eight years to the day that the great Big Dave Thibodeau passed away at the age of 63. And Brandon Como, our friend uh, across the hall there at KPEL, wrote a great story, which you can read uh, at ESPNLafayette.com or on the ESPN Lafayette app. Um, in some ways, it, it I guess it feels like it's been eight years, and in some ways it doesn't. It's, it's the weird thing about, I guess, time and, and death. But I tell you what, man, there's... I still think about Big Dave so often. Yeah, so do I. So often. Um, and, and part of it's just the indelible mark he left on everyone that, that he knew. Uh, and part of it is that, you know, we still see Mike and you can't listen to big time sports talk on Sunday morning and hear Mike's voice anywhere and not also think about his old broadcasting oh. partner, Big Dave. Look at that. She's a thoroughbred, Mike. <laughs> Mike. We're on the air, Big Dave. <laughs> but he really was the best, man. He he, just, you know, Dave was a big man physically. Um, and his heart was even bigger. Yeah. I, he, was, he was such a good human being. You know, there have been a couple of times that I have had to inform people about bad news. During a broadcast. Um, Charles Lawson, the beloved track coach at UL. Nelson Stokely, 
and Big Dave. I found out about all of those during a baseball broadcast yeah. and, um, and had to be the, the bearer of bad news. And I guess because I knew him better than the other two, Dave was the toughest one for me. Um, you know, we all miss him still, and we're always going to. You know, Mike does a lot of things I'm, to, to keep Dave's name out there with some of the broadcasts that he does. Mm-hmm. But even if he didn't, no one, never, no one ever forget that dude, man. It's just the impression that he left. Um, his passion for the community, uh, his philanthropy, his love of sports, obviously, all of his connections in the sports world and in the political world with his good friend Fred Mills. It was just, he was uh, he was unlike any other. So uh wanted to think about him today and uh, bring him up before the show ended. Jay, thanks for coming in, man. It's always great to see you on a Tuesday. I enjoyed it, and I will do it again next week. All right, guys. Stay tuned. The Dan Patrick Show is next tomorrow. Anthony Babineau joins me at 8. Be talking about Game 5, Suns Pels, tomorrow morning as well. For those of you that are going to stay up late with me, I'll probably be tired, but I'll either be in a good mood or a bad mood tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticketed sports. Oh,